0: Oh, really? Can you tell Mama more? Oh. You don't say. Gracie, Gracie.
1: No, Mommy.
0: Eating sugar?
1: No, Mommy.
0: Telling lies?
1: No,
2: Mommy.
0: Open your mouth. No, no, no. That's not how the song goes. Wait a minute. Welcome.
2: To another episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. I'm Jamie Otis. Who just got done eating a pepper. That's true.
0: (laughs) And I'm currently nursing our son, Hendrix. I don't know if you can hear him.
2: Yep, that's the sound of breastfeeding. Everybody listen. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) So... This episode is part two of Big Little Feelings, which we really enjoyed. We really used all the tips. I
0: mean, I swear by their tips. And I was like, listen, I cannot not include every single second of their interview.
2: Yeah, we wanted to make sure to capture everything because it was not only stuff that we are going through, but stuff that I know we're going to be going through. And they're and just it's so relatable
0: for yeah. literally everybody who either knows a toddler or has a toddler. And that's <laughs> literally everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're down to earth. And it just makes sense. And so As every podcast episode, we love giving a shout out to our five-star reviewers. We love you guys. Yes. And this one goes out to Juno's Mama. So Juno's Mama says, love this podcast. I really enjoy your interviews, especially the ones from MAFS. Both of you listen and let the guests do the talking. Some hosts on other podcasts talk more than the guests. I don't know if MAFS asks potential candidates how they would handle not being attracted to their match. Your portion of season one should be required watching for those that say they have no attraction. Jamie opened her mind and heart to love and ended with her perfect match.
0: Speaking of married at first sight, there's a brand new season on right now. Yes,
2: Louisiana.
0: Yeah, New Orleans. So, so excited for this season. Truly, like I don't say this often, but or maybe I do say it often. I don't know. Like every (laughs) long story short, (laughs) every season I feel like is a good season. But this season in particular is genuinely so good Because there's one couple, their name... Well, I don't want to give spoilers. It looks like
2: they have a good group. (laughs) Sorry, he's choking choking while I'm talking. Excuse me, Hendrix. Uh, It looks like they have a really good mix of people and cultures, which is always interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't want to give any spoilers. I don't want to ruin it. But trust me when I say there is a different dynamic this season that we've never seen before on Married at First Sight. So I'm super excited for this season. But anyways, we'll bring Kristen and Dina from Big Little Feelings right back here on the podcast because I know you guys were loving them. And I'm so happy. We love bringing guests on that you guys love to hear from. So here they are. Enjoy. Okay. So ladies, the other thing that Doug's actually been doing recently, and I'm like, I can't wait to ask you guys if this is good or bad because I'm not a child psychologist, so I don't know. But if she doesn't eat, for example, you know how toddlers are. They don't want to eat dinner. So he'll put on a sad face and start to kind of like whine and just like be really sad. And he'll say, I'm sad. I want you to have a bite. And so then she'll eat a bite and he'll go, I'm happy now. Is that good? Bad? It's so manipulative. That's what it is.
1: well you know when it comes to food we want to kind of keep it neutral is the best way to do it we want to have neutral emotions around food and so we love this phrase of play it cool so typically no we don't want to talk about like they're making us happy or sad because that actually puts some pressure on them but also you know there's so much we could talk about with food because there's just so many different areas like we want to keep it a low-pressure environment for them. So that means, you know, giving them one safe food is a tip that we always love. Something on their plate that you know they eat, they, you know that they like. And when we're introducing newer stuff or stuff they're not as, you know, comfortable with yet, That way they have that safe food to kind of rely on and feel comfortable starting to explore. And honestly, studies show it could take your kid up to a hundred exposures to eat a new food. (laughs) So they (laughs) need a lot of time to get comfortable with different foods.
3: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And there's also a lot of studies
3: that just show parental involvement of any kind, but something like what you're just saying right now, whether it's like, if you eat this, then you get this, or what you just said, which is, if you eat this, it will make me happy, things like that. The studies show time and time again, that that's actually going to lead to picky eating. It's just the pressure and the this and the that, and it's the same way if you tell them to put on their shoes, they're never going to put on their shoes. They just don't want to. Yeah. Inherently what you're accidentally doing, and all parents do it, by the way, especially like, have a bite of this and you'll get a treat or something. All parents mean it in a really great way, but time and time again, it promotes picky eating. So what we just say is there's really almost no conversation about what she is eating how she's eating in what way she is eating let her be messy let her eat only blueberries if that's all she's eating and instead just sit down at the table and just have a conversation just tell jokes do whatever and give that some time it might be a little bit weird at first because she's not used to it right. give it some time and then she's gonna start to just explore and just eat and the other really big key part about eating is you really want to long term be fostering them to listen to their own bodies about if they're full, if they're hungry, if they're not. And sometimes, honestly, toddler bodies, they're just not that hungry. Like, have you ever noticed for like three days, they'll eat absolutely nothing, literally like a bird. And then for three days, they're eating like a football player. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's super normal. So rather than pushing on the days they're not eating, kind of just let that happen and know that in what, two hours, they'll have a snack, right? So they'll be okay.
2: Yeah. And I think that's something that's really stuck with me, especially now hearing it out loud, because I do get concerned about her getting enough nutrients and eating enough food. And it's almost like I try to force it on her and not to make excuses for the whole pouty face and everything that I was doing we were starting to learn and play with dolls and I was acting like I was hurt one day and Henley came over and said, Oh no, daddy, I'll be your doctor. And I'll just go and put my sad face on. I go, I'm sad. And then she comes over and rubs my back and gives me a hug and a kiss and says, are you happy now? So that's where that kind of stemmed from. Yeah.
1: Cause in that type of play, you're teaching them about emotions. You're teaching them about coping and caring for someone else. So that makes so much sense.
2: Just don't use it as a way to get them to eat food. Just don't be someone to yeah. of with it.
1: Yep. <laughs> we play cool. The parent decides cool. and the child decides what goes in their body.
0: I like that too, actually. And I have a lot of nieces and nephews. And so I'm so used to kids at this age. They just don't eat. And you're like, okay, fine. If you can get a blueberry in their mouth, you're happy. They're like, okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> It's so normal, I promise. It's so normal. And if for any reason you're concerned or she's dropping in weight or things like that, talk to your pediatrician. But overall, I mean, every single toddler is going to go through not eating at all and then eating a lot. And the pressure thing, the forcing or bribing or just trying again, it's like anything with a toddler. You'll see this time and time again with us. The more you push, the more they will resist. So just let it happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're so right about that. And so the next thing we wanted to ask, and this is something that is like kind of new for us because she never used to whine about anything. I feel like we did a really good job at the early stage. We used to say we couldn't understand whining. And so we'd say, use your words so mommy and daddy can understand what you have to say. And so she does speak, you know, really well and tell us. But now everything is... Me i mean she could be happy but she'll just say i want ravioli she'll just like whine about everything but when she's happy and she's whining okay fine i don't care but like when she's just whining all day like what do you do about that <laughs> like i have all these questions
1: yeah so this is actually really common especially when a new baby has come in the picture it's common for them to kind of revert to more baby tendencies and that includes things like whining it's supernatural so don't feel too concerned and they will grow out of it one thing when it comes to baby coming in the house that might be super helpful cuz whining is kind of like a cry to get your attention almost think of it as like low grade crying like i need your attention mommy so and daddy so one thing that you can do is what we call the 10 minute miracle which is during the day every day Carve out 10 focused minutes to be with her and let her choose the activity. This means no phones, no siblings, no teaching and no correcting. Just really soaking up that attention and that love for her so that she doesn't rely on other kind of behaviors. We'll call them like negative behaviors, whether it's whining or for some kids it's hitting or aggression so that they can get their attention tank filled up in these positive ways.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. You guys have an answer to everything and you have so many nuggets of wisdom. I'm obsessed.
2: So I think I might need some focused time with my wife. I think I yeah. need some of my husband. No.
3: So, Literally Doug, the other day yeah, I'll just be yeah. totally transparent here. And my husband was having kind of a hard day. You know, we're in a pandemic, we're moving all of this. And he turned to me and he said, You know, Lou gets 10 minutes of miracle time every day. Like, could I get 10? And he meant it sincerely. Like, he was kind of sad. Like, could I get a 10-minute miracle? Like, could we do that? Dude, you're totally right. Like, we all need our love tank filled. And it's crazy how just 10 minutes, put the phone down, no siblings, nothing else. It's super smart.
2: Yeah, I think 15 minutes for adults.
3: Yeah, we can do 15. (laughs) We can handle that. (laughs) Okay,
0: so switching gears from filling up our tanks to now emptying our tanks. Which, (laughs) Uh, So the biggest thing for us with potty training Gracie, I thought that I could start her at 18 months because I really thought that she was, you know, quote unquote, so smart. And honestly, I thought she was given the signs. She had a lot of interest in going on the potty. Like she really seemed to want to sit on the toilet. She would stare at me when I was on the toilet, wanting to see my pee and my poo. Yes, I poo. (laughs) Am I the first (laughs) woman to admit it? I don't know. So anyways, like for her, she definitely wasn't ready 18 months. And I tried again right around, I think it was like 22 months. And I was like gung-ho on it. A whole week we went like no underwear or anything. Girlfriend pooped on the floor. It was a nightmare. And so now, no joke, I'm 39 weeks pregnant. And it's like super clear that she's ready like I don't remember exactly how I knew then either but she like knew when she had to go and I was like okay I'm pretty sure she could be potty trained so we started potty training her at 39 weeks and honestly I mean she's potty trained like except from poo sometimes she has an accident with poo and when she's sleeping, you know, we still put a diaper on her, but she's completely potty trained. Like I'll be, we'll be in the pool and she'll say, mommy, I have to go pee pee. And like, we'll get out and we'll go pee pee. It's amazing. And so my question is, how do you know when your child is ready and what potty training advice do you have? Because I don't think I could even tell you how I knew Henley was ready this time around because I thought she was ready two times before and clearly I was wrong. So,
3: <laughs> And how old is she this time around?
0: She's like two and three quarters, really. Okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're not wrong. I do think that a lot of parents do sometimes think, I'm trying to use my words correctly here, at around even 17, 18 months, that's when their curiosity around the potty is really, really peaking. And so a lot of parents fall into that. So you're not alone in that. I mean, my daughter, even right now, she's 16 months, and every time that she poops, she tells me that she poops.
0: So, (laughs) you know,
3: if I didn't know any better, I know it's crazy. And I'm like, no, girl, mom is not ready. We can't do this. (laughs) Right. Or she'll say pee pee and she'll walk over to the potty and she'll want to sit on it even at 16 months. And that is totally normal, natural. They're just super curious and learning all about that. Not necessarily meaning that they're ready for potty training. So, you know, that was confusing. You're okay on that. We like to say that the sweet spot on the earliest, earliest side could be 20 months. And again, that's still pretty early, but sometimes, you know, that really happens all the way to 30 months. And then once you go past that, especially as you get older and older and older, it still happens, right? You can still do it. It's just easier on you because the older they get past 30 months, the more pushback, as you're seeing, kind of like tantrums are next level, pushback is next level, right? (laughs) Your sweet little angel baby used to want to at least, like, please you or do what you want to do, right? So. If they're ready within 20 to 30 months, that's when ideally we'd like to do it. And signs that they're ready is that they can communicate in some way, even if it's just like pointing to it or, you know, even a quick poo-poo or something like that. Hiding to poop is a sign that they're ready. My kids never did that personally, but that's a pretty big sign if they do do that. I don't know if yours did. No, she never did that.
2: But in the beginning, she started to almost get scared of going poop on the pod, even the little one. Yeah. She would start to go and then stand up right away to see. And then it was like, well, it's still coming out and you got to get back on the potty.
0: Yeah, she's definitely scared to go poo still a little bit on the potty, but she's getting better.
3: And Um, unfortunately, the poop is a long game. It really is the whole potty training year basically you're just talking about poop nonstop. like I'm finally out of the woods now she's three and a half and like we're good finally but it was like a year of talking about poop you know what I mean and it gets better and then it goes back because they have one sort of hard time right and that's terrifying for them they're just like what's happening this hurts I'm not doing things that hurt right code red Right. so yeah so super 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 natural and then our tips for potty is just like you did we like to do the naked move so you do totally naked for three days I go at all into the you catch them then you run them over the potty and even just the tiniest bit of pee you want to really celebrate that yeah even if the rest of it got all over the floor
2: we have a pee pee on the potty dance that we do
3: i think i saw that in your story it was <laughs> so cute that's yeah. exactly what you want to do and that's probably why it was really easy to potty train her. you guys did it at the right time sounds like you did all of the right moves
2: yeah and something more on that though because we really started to celebrate but also reward her with a candy. So she would get one candy if she goes pee, two candies if she goes poo. And I don't know what your thoughts or feelings are on the whole rewarding thing for that. And, you know, candy's not really the best, but it's something that she gets excited for. So it kind of kept her consistent with the potty training. And now I'm trying to sort of wean her off of having that where she'll go potty, we'll do the dance and everything and then I won't bring up the candy thing and sometimes she doesn't bring it up either and it's okay but what are your thoughts on rewarding a child in that way?
3: Yeah, so generally speaking, if you follow our page, and you guys do, (laughs) you'll see that really we're not so like, you must do this or never do any rewards, right? So again, just take this with a grain of salt that overall generally, we don't love Rewards, Because like what you're experiencing, after three days, that's it. It's gone. The novelty has worn off. It's not going to be as effective. And what's more, especially like with the potty, you really want to be building their internal motivation for whatever it is that you're rewarding, whether that's going pee on the potty and getting excited. And then you're saying, how does that feel? Does your tummy feel so much better? And really pointing out the reasons why it's good for them. Or, oh, you didn't go pee in your pants. It feels so yucky when it's in your pants, right? Doesn't it feel better on the potty? That kind of a thing. But that said, my daughter, for example, we started to do that, and whenever we would do the pee-pee dance or get excited, she would scream, and she was terrified, and she didn't Aww. like to she doesn't like to be the center of attention. She's, like, the nurturer, so she did not like that at all. She would just cry hysterically.
0: Aww. So, yeah. <laughs>
3: For my daughter, for the first three days, we did the same thing. We did a little reward. Like you touched on, we do recommend not using candy, if possible, because again, it's that thing of now all they want is desserts are better than broccoli, M&Ms are better, that's like a treat type of food, and you really want foods to be kind of like equal playing fields, not to make desserts and candy that really desirable thing. So what we did was for those three days, we did like a little teeny troll toy that came in a package and we did that for three days and that's okay. Just because we're rewarding them for three days of the whole year or something, it's going to be okay, right? Yeah. So it's not a common thing, but hey, if we need to get past a barrier or an obstacle and then later on when she was older, she was terrified to poop, just terrified to poop. So I introduced that toy reward thing just to kind of get over the hump just for two days. Like, here's what the Poop Fairy brought you, and
1: then it's gone, right? It's just not a regular thing. Then you focus on the internal motivation of, you did it, you listened to your body, you let the poop out. How do you feel?
2: And do you know if the Poop Fairy comes to New Jersey?
1: (laughs) What do you want, Doug? What's your reward?
2: (laughs) I don't know, but I'm thinking I could get three. I should probably get three or four rewards a day.
0: Oh, that's a lot of poop.
2: (laughs) I'm regular.
0: (laughs) That's a little too regular. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. Okay, so, ladies, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you what is your number one advice for any parent when it comes to discipline?
1: I would say that, you know, discipline technically means to teach. So, it's not to punish, it's not to make them feel bad about themselves. We're really trying to promote learning when we're disciplining. And probably the number one tip is never try to teach the lesson in an emotionally heightened moment. So when they're mid tantrum, they're mid meltdown, that's not the time to teach. That's the time to really just connect with them, tell them that you see how they feel. And then when they're calmer, that's when you can actually teach them how to cope in different ways. So in that tantrum moment, it's just going to sound like you're really, really mad right now. I'm right here with you. And when they're calmer, you can reflect with them and say, you know, next time you're feeling so mad, how can you let your angry feelings out safely? Yes, you can do a big lion roar to let it out. You can let your angry feelings out through drawing it. Yes, that's probably the number one.
0: That is such good advice. I was literally just thinking tonight she was in this tantrum. She like ran away from me into like the guest room and closed the door on me. And then I went in there and she was just kind of whining, really not even like a huge tantrum. And I just said, do you want to hug? And she said, yeah, mommy. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I just hugged her and then she calmed down. But I think I should say, I can tell that you're really sad right now or you're really angry or whatever the case is. That way later on, maybe she'll associate that feeling with that word and then she'll understand what I'm saying later on. It's just such good advice because now I'm thinking to myself, I'll be like, okay, how can you help yourself when you're like, how do you say it to her? Like, how can you help yourself when you're feeling so frustrated? You can roar like a yeah. lion. Is that what you say? Yeah,
1: when you're feeling so sad, what would help you feel better? Do you like hugs when you feel so sad? And I love what you did with her, too, actually, because it teaches her to really notice her own emotions, and that is, like, a long-term goal is to be able to look inside and understand what you're feeling And then to recognize that there are ways to make big feelings feel better again. That's
0: coping. Oh, you make me feel so much better. I mean, I'm pretty much, as you know, on your page daily looking for tips. So and speaking of that, you ladies have something coming out soon here, right? To help mamas and daddies with their toddlers.
3: Yeah. So we have a course that's launching in two weeks. It's called How to Win the Toddler Stage and it's basically everything we talked about except i wish we had like 3 hours to really delve in with you guys like every problem that you have so we talk about everything that's really overall feelings and long term and things like that but i think what's really the interesting piece about us is that then we literally have section that's called the nitty gritty and it goes into Every specific toddler problem that you could think of. So, new baby, and it gives you strategies for if you have a new baby, potty, car seat tantrums. I mean, every single sleep. There's a whole toddler sleep guide in there. Night wakings, just every single teeny tiny toddler problem that you can think of. We really tried to put it all in there and
0: walk you through it. That's amazing. And actually, you just mentioned something that I wanted to ask. I feel like we have to re-sleep train our daughter because she wakes up like at least once or twice a night and Doug gives her milk in a cup, which is going to rot her teeth out because, you know, she doesn't brush her teeth immediately after. Real fast. Best advice for like sleep training your toddler, like helping her sleep through the night.
2: Yeah, she just doesn't sleep through the night anymore.
1: Yeah, well, it actually is really similar to something we already covered, which is you're going to want to prep her on what she can expect. So when she wakes up in the night, we want to have a consistent response that just lets her know you're there, she's safe, but it's super boring. We're not having fun and hanging out because that's what the 10-minute miracle in the daytime is for, to fill up that attention tank. So in the night, you're going to let her first kind of cry out for you for one minute before you go in. Then you're going to go in and have your boring phrase that you say over and over, which is something like, you know, it's nighttime, time to go to sleep, I love you, night-night, and you walk out. Next time she cries out that night, the same parent's going to go in, but they're going to wait two minutes before going in, say the exact same phrase, it's neutral, it's boring, we're not hanging, And then go back out, wait three minutes the next time, same parent. And for the rest of that night, you're going to do three-minute intervals from when she cries out. The next day, if she still had problems that night, you're going to role-play it again, where you go over what's going to happen that night. Maybe let her be the parent who kind of, like, walks you back into the room and says the phrase so she's comfortable with it and knows what to expect. And then that night, stretch it out an extra minute. So two three and then four minute
2: intervals that night yeah and what happens too is when we go in if we do the you know we love you it's night night time you know good night or whatever the phrase is that's when the screaming and crying gets way louder so walking out i mean we would keep the same intervals it's it's almost like she's crying as soon as we start to leave
3: Yeah, it's so difficult. We've tried to put this into, like, a blog post or into an Instagram thing. The plan that's in the course is, like, a full 30-minute plan. I don't think of it as sleep training because it's very different from sleep training a baby. What we like to kind of think of it as is, like, holding boundaries at night. So when you say that when you walk out of the room and she's crying – is it kind of similar to when you close the iPad and she wants more iPad and she's, you know, screaming bloody murder for more iPad? It's kind of how we think about it the same thing just at night where we really want to tell her in advance what to expect. We're only watching one show, same thing at night. At night, it's not time for milk, it's time for sleep. And this is what will happen. And then we hold those boundaries. And by the way, if you hold the boundaries more during the day with unrelated things, she's gonna accept the boundaries at night even faster and easier too. And again, like there's just so much more to it and we recommend 10 minute miracle when you're doing it at the same time so we have a full plan in our course and obviously we'll send that to you guys and it works you know but it is a little bit comprehensive
1: keeping those consistent boundaries where they know that they're safe you're there but we're not hanging out ultimately your goal here is to create an independent sleeper so they're going to need opportunities to really learn how to do that too without relying on you necessarily to put them to sleep
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was doing great. And then we went to Florida last winter and I let her sleep with us because I really loved to cuddle with her. I'm so against it. And he's totally <laughs> against it because... You know, for many reasons, like intimacy and all that jazz. But I was like, "We're already yeah. pregnant," and I really like cuddling with her. And we'll change it when we go back home. Now we are almost back at square well, one. No,
2: you want to cuddle with her, but she never goes to sleep, and it's the worst night's sleep ever. And then eventually, you say, "Doug, can you just put her in her crib now because she's not going to bed because she thinks it's playtime?"
3: Yeah, I'm the dog of this situation. By the way, I'm with Doug all the way. You know, we always say if you like co-sleeping, co-sleep forever. We do. Do not think that, you know, the toddler needs to be in their crib by any means. But I personally, I am like Doug. I don't sleep well. The toddler's not sleeping. She's picking my nose. She's touching my face. <laughs> Nobody is sleeping. And then she's having tantrums all day. And so, you know, consistency is really best for toddlers. And again, we say this, you should do whatever is best for your home. If you like co-sleeping, if you like bringing them into bed, you should do that forever. That's awesome. And then if you don't, then consistency is really the key. So like you said, if you kind of bring her in sometimes and then sometimes not, that's where kind of the problems arise like you're having.
1: And you could totally build snuggle time into your nighttime routine before you do yeah. the whole night-night
0: bye-bye thing. Yeah, we do yeah. snuggle. And sometimes I'll just hold her and hold her and hold her. And she's probably like, you're not going to put me down yet? But like I just yeah. hold her and snuggle her because I love her so much. But I love it. <laughs> anyways... Yeah. Thank you ladies so much for this like abundance of wealth that you just gave us in like all these big little feelings and understanding them and all that. And for those of you guys listening, truly like you should check them out if you have a toddler. They're at Big Little Feelings on Instagram. They give like the best tips right there for free. And then obviously they have this course coming out. So if you want like the real tips, then highly recommend that as well. Thank you ladies so much. I absolutely love them. I literally look at their Instagram page daily because every day they share tips and tricks and, you know, and that's free. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I think that their course is worthy of investing in. I'm not even kidding. Yeah,
2: especially for any new parents out there, because these are all things that we're implementing and going through and we just happened upon their page.
0: Yep, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm so glad you guys like them. I'm glad that you were able to get some useful information. We tend to podcast with Hendrix because, you know, Henley can sleep and we can put her up in her room. But Hendrix is a newborn still. He's not two months old yet. Oh, no. my sweet baby. He
2: waits until we are on the phone or talking to then speak up. So. Yeah,
0: isn't that how it goes? But <laughs> next week, we have an amazing guest on the podcast. Her name is Liz Sandos, and she is a doula. And I got to be honest, I didn't think doulas were so necessary. <laughs> until from, we had a home birth. Yeah, that's coming from a labor and delivery nurse who typically everybody has an epidural, so they're not really feeling pains. Even if they do feel pain, like I think a doula is so necessary. I stand corrected. I'm always one who says, hey, listen, if I make a mistake, I will own up to it. And the only issue with making a mistake is if you pretend like you didn't, if you own up to it, I just think that that's very um, honorable. So I'm owning up to my mistake. Mm -hmm. There's
2: a few words and phrases that I never thought that I would have said, and I probably would have never said in my life until we had a home birth. And that's doula, midwifery, and wow, that placenta really does look cool.
0: (laughs) So funny.
2: I never would have said that. But
0: yeah, so Liz is also pregnant herself. And we're going to be asking her lots and lots of questions about just like birthing in general, laboring in general, and then what her plan is. Like, does she plan on having a home birth? Does she plan on going to the hospital? So yeah, I'm so excited to be able to share all of that information with you guys next week. And we're also doing something really fun where we like have this game where we're picking questions, this or that. And Doug and I have to choose one thing or the other and explain why we choose it. And it is just so funny. So we'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Have a good week.
2: Yes. Goodbye.
1: Bye. Stay safe. Wear your masks and wash your hands. We love you. Bye.